Welcome back to the show. This is episode 10 and today I am really, really happy to be joined by Megan from Mace Racing. Megan, how are you doing? Doing great. How about yourself? Absolutely fantastic. Thanks for taking the time. Um, despite a hiccup or two, we, <laughs> we finally got there. We did it. We managed it. Um, it's really good. Uh, your episode 10, so the, um, the last of the Genesis uh, episode. <laughs> so this will be uh, yourself and, um, and Bella from Rockabella Racing. We've got the last oh, awesome. Ten, so Yeah, yeah. Pretty, pretty happy about that. Um, so how about yourself, like Mace Racing? Um, what's the story behind your stable? When when did you start playing Zed and, and how did you get involved? Um, started in August of 2021. Um, I had a real life friend um, that uh, we like to gamble. That's that's our thing. Um, and my husband, like we're just huge gamblers. And he uh, he was like, hey, we um, we live in Texas and we like to go to the horse races, things like that. And he was like, I kind of fell into this game. Uh, I think you might be interested. It's almost like gambling, but not quite. But it's horses. It's real fun. Uh, he was having a blast with it. And we said, you know, sure, like send us the send us the stuff. So my husband started about a month before me. Um, I was not interested at all until uh, he started breeding. And then once he started breeding, I was like, oh, I want to make babies. Like that's, that's <laughs> going to be my thing. Um, so I got my own stable. He is uh, calm racing and we got our stables and um, kind of went from there. So we still play with our friend. Um, he's upscale stables in the game. Um, oh, nice. So it's really kind of nice because it's just something we get to do together and it's, real fun uh for me and the husband um it's kind of taken over most of our life i guess for all of our free time uh so we really enjoy it so um yeah it's just it's just a really fun hobby of and you get to make money so even better yeah very nice indeed if you're doing it right that is yeah yeah I, one of us is doing a little bit better than the other and it's definitely not me that's for sure so <laughs> Um, so about the stable, like how many, how many horses have you got in your stable? Oh, how Lordy. many, how many do you actually run? Um, so I have, I think almost 400. Um, wow. how many I actually run? I'm, I'm very flavor of the week. So I have, you know, I'll look through my stable with 400 of them. I'll look through my stable and I'll say, oh, I haven't ran this guy in a while. So then. I start running them for two weeks or a week and then, um, you know, kind of shelve them or something else gets my attention. Right now it's a little harder because I don't have extremely profitable racers. I have like a, just a few. Um, so I run them. I probably have six to nine that I run regularly and paid. Um, and without the tournaments right now, it's just kind of deadsies. Um, but it has been really, really fun. Um, with the new class system because I, uh, I've gotten to rediscover a lot of horses and a lot of, a lot of old horses. So, um, some of my older horses that were used to be good previously are not very good now, but then now I have some, uh, old dusty ones that got off the shelf and are, are making a little bit of width. So it's kind of fun. Yeah. Nice. So where do you find like in those horses that you've rediscovered, um, 
and that are actually you know starting to turn maybe EV positive, where where are you finding that result? Is it sort of double up racing, top three, even the new one on ones? Like where where are you starting to to find oh. success? A little bit of combination. Um, I like to run them in double ups. It's a little bit safer on my uh, bankroll. And then, um, you know, after, you know, 10, 20, 30 races, whatever, whatever the case may be, just depending on the horse and how strong it looks. Um, I, you know, will look at the results and look at who he's raced against. And then I'm like, okay, let's try, let's try five top threes now. Let's, uh, or, you know, 10 top threes. Let's, let's try that. And then, um, then just kind of reevaluate. Um, the one thing that I'm not great at is discovering six horse, like top two, six horse. Um, okay. I don't understand it. I don't know. I don't know what makes a good top two horse, um, for six horse racing, but I have one of them. Um, it's just, that's where I started running it and it can't run top, tw- you know, top three, 12 horse to save its life. And that's okay. It's, it's kind of doing its thing. Um, but yeah. Just um, it was interesting. I, I like, like to start. You, I was going to say, Go like what you said in there that was um, that sort of grabbed my interest. You t- spoke about thinking about blocks of paid races mm-hmm. when you say I'm going to run a horse. I'm going to run for ten races at a time. Yes. Um, same. Can you say a little more about like what is behind? What's the thought behind that approach? Like. And do you bail out at five if, or do you stick to 10? You're like, I'm going to No, no, no. You got to stick to 10 at least. I feel like, um, I, I really feel like 10 minimum. Um, I've invested so much into this game that 10 paid races isn't, you know, going to kill me. Um, but it really, it really has to show promise. So, um, you know, prior to that, you know, I do 10 freeze see, you know, reevaluate, graduate it up to, to the paids, uh, double ups. Um, I may say 10 there, 20 there, um, just depending on how strong I think it is. Um, but yeah, you never bail out. You never bail out. I, one time long ago was, uh, zombie racing when it did its, uh, seasons. I don't know if you, you do all that stuff, but, um, I love all the external tournaments and, and such. So, I was a season one, I did a race and it was like, if you placed, you know, top, I don't know what it was, 30, you got to pick a horse. So I, um, they had all these, so by, uh, all these horses for prizes. So I got a horse. I actually got two horses, um, brother and sister, same dad. And I just, you know, five, six races in, I couldn't get flank or yeah flames were a thing then i couldn't get flames i couldn't get them to place i just was like you're doo-doo um my husband looked at the horse and said it's a donkey and i was like okay well i'm gonna sell it then so mm-hmm. i sold it and it's like the one source of contention with me and my husband on um, <laughs> on horses uh because i sold it he said it's a donkey and i said fine and i didn't race it very much and that thing was just a variance monster um, made so much money, uh, so much worth, so much wow. everything. And I like to check up on horses or, you know, babies and, and things that I've sold or, or made. And I just really regret it. So now, I mean, I think, I think 20 races is really a sweet spot if you think it has any variance or, or anything. And I also think it's really important about when you're racing. So sometimes just the monsters come out 
Um, you got to be really careful with that. So within 20 races, you should be able to see something. And if that's a combination of 10 paid, 10 free, or, you know, freeze and double ups or, or whatever, 20, 20 is what you need. And if you bail out sooner, maybe you save a little bit, but you can miss out on a lot. So I don't do it anymore. I learned my lesson. Yeah, very nice. And so when, when you're running your 10 to 20, um, you've targeted, I guess, a funnel or do you run it at a single distance or do you try and run those across a funnel or do you run them across multiple funnels? So 1.0s, I just run them anywhere because um, I, have, I have several 1.0s that are specifically good in just one distance. Like that's where they're going to flame. That's where they're going to yep. podium. Um, and the other two distances in that funnel, they're not going to do anything for me. Um so, or at least that's the way it seems with some of my horses. Um, now 2.0, it was a lot easier because of the breeding changes and things. So I, um, I definitely try to experiment in that same funnel and maybe one off. So if they're a 16, 18 runner, I'm going to try 12 and 14. Um, if I don't see flames or if I don't see favorable placements, then I'm not going to spend too much time there, but I definitely have some horses that, um, even with this last maiden, they were supposed to be sprinters. They were supposed to be 1K, 1,200 sprinters all day long with variants, and they didn't get the DP role, um, but yeah. they got the variants, and they run 16s, and and that's that's what it does. Um, so you can't really stay locked in um, if you want to try to maximize your horse and until you know it, at least. And then once you know it, that's kind of the thing, so... Okay, um, so that's what I do. to get your, like from your maiden horses you've just created mm-hmm. um, and it, probably switch to tomorrow's maiden that starts, yeah. have, you got, um, have you got some lined up ready to rock and roll? Not yet. I have resets today, so I'll probably get three to five today. And then uh, okay. my next one will be all my resets again, real, pretty large. I like to run about 10 to 15 in a maiden Okay. Wow. Well, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So really like, uh, like Moonshot Ranch, like Mike from Moonshot, you're really showing us how to degen proper. <laughs> oh, I love breeding. Even if they're trash, I still love it. There's a lot of promise and just the excitement. So. Yep. And do you breed typically within your own stable? Like you've got studs in your stable or do you sort of go outside and, and look in the breeding in the stud barn each time? Um, a little bit of both. Covers? Yep. A little bit of both. I I have some good options in my stable. Um, last Christmas, well, not, I guess, 2021 20, Christmas, me and my husband said we're going to buy each other Genesis for, for Christmas. Um, so we had a set amount and we bought each other horses. So that got me some Genesis studs, which was really nice. Um, and then um, we also do breeding between our stables. So he has some really good DP and variants in his, um, and he never breeds as much as I do. So I'm like, Oh, let me see some of those, let's see some of those boys. Um, but, um, there are a few that I have some really good horses or what I would consider good or that really have good babies. And I go, um, I go outside for those to Mm -hmm. try to get a better tier of baby. Um, and then in the community, I've made friends, things like that, where um, 
if they're not going to use a womb of a really good anything. I'm like, oh, let me let me see that. Let me see that, and I'll pay for the stud, and I'll pay you a little bit for the womb, and we can go from there. So yeah, nice. uh, so kind of a mix, a hodgepodge, in stable, out of stable, all the things. Um, and that's a lot of a lot of foals certainly running into a maiden. And once you've done, I guess, your initial, you know, griffoned them out and we've got, you know, a level these days, mm-hmm. um, getting back to that conversation around, well, you know, how many races do you budget for to discover that horse? Again, is that like a 15 or 20 racing for you or is there actually more, you kind of need to run more across multiple multiple funnels to really sort of discover that horse completely? So this one was kind of unique, this one that passed, um, not the one that's about to start, because it was a six-horse freeze. And yep. so what I found was a lot of my horses that looked super promising in six-horse looked not great in 12-horse. So um, so those I'm spending a lot more time discovering um, than I have previously um, because I'm only waiting for 12-horse. I don't want to do any more six horse. I I did 20 of them. I'm good. Um, but, um, you know, and then some, I started immediately into paids after doing their 20 and six horse, um, just going to 12 horse paids in, uh, in double ups. And some of those worked out, some of those didn't. Um, but it really, uh, reinforced the idea that I just need to run my, my 10 in 12 horse freeze and then reevaluate. Okay, so yeah, you you're doing that discovery process in the free racing. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, nice. Um, so when you look at your your breeding approach, um, and again, we're going to talk about last maiden or, or this maiden coming up tomorrow. Um, are you targeting like what's your what's your plan for targeting certain classes funnels? Um, are you trying to run and target a C one? event or are you sort of looking at other classes to like how do you how do you like to breed um right now i'm trying to i i don't pay attention to the classes over much honestly um most of my c1 horses that um you know came out last time they uh with the conditionals and things like that they're still doing fine so i'm not as scared of c1 as i used to be um but um I really like C3. C3, I think, is is where I like to be. Um, but I don't pay attention to that too much. I, you know, overall really like to just line up my, either my DP or my variants, whichever the one. Um, I tried to make some specific uh, double up horses last time, and that did not work. I don't know what happened to them. Um, it was just all BA. It was no variants. And Somehow I got some variants on one of them and I don't know, it, it is what it is, but they just didn't get the roles they needed to. But, um, you know, I try to match up as much as I can still, um, to, to really maximize what they're, they're going into. But, um, I think this time I'm going to really look at, um, a lot of the, the cross and exclusives. Um, last time I did a lot of legendaries, um, and with my resets, I'm just going to go into it with a lot of exclusives and crosses this time. Okay. Um, it's like my B string resets. So, <laughs> yeah, nice. <clears throat> um, and that's that's kind of um, like when you get into targeting for those specific funnels and those 
um, like you say, you're matching BA and, well, sorry, you're matching DP and variants mm-hmm. in the parents. Um, what do you think is more important there? Say if I'm trying to breed that um, that double up runner or, you know, what if I'm trying to breed a one-on-one monster in, in a C3? What do you think I should be trying to breed for? Should I be looking at distance preference with big BA or – because I think for that one-on-one thing, maybe you want to steer away from variance. Is that? And that is my thing? experience. I think variance is not great. Um, in general, I I love variance, um, so I stay away from the one-on-ones. Um, they did nothing great for my bankroll, so I I was all out. Um, but I think yeah, the BA and and you know DP to a lesser extent, um, but a lot of BA. I think is, and no variance, just no variance whatsoever in that line. And, you know, that's what I'm seeing go through. Um, and some of the horses that are really doing well are used to be like a shapers. Um, so I'm looking at one-on-ones and, um, you know, kind of seeing what they used to run previous. And it was, you know, there's a lot of a shapes that are doing really well and kind of cleaning up in that area. So it, it was just, BA horses that couldn't get, you know, the right-hand side of the placements. Yep. Well, I've got plenty of A-shaped horses. <laughs> we should do well then. I, I might I might go and dust a couple off. Um, it, interestingly enough, like once I try and get a bankroll back together, um, what do you think about this idea? And I am on board with this conspiracy theory 100%. Um Honeymoon period for new horses. Um, this is this just happened to me last week. I bred some some new horses before the maiden. I didn't run in the maiden, the last maiden, um, but I had some new horses and they were fantastic. Um, and then one v one came out and they had I think I won seven in a row with one of them. I was like, oh, beauty. Wow. And then he got to his like forty races, crushed. Oh, <laughs> and I've just been crushed. I've just been <laughs> crushed in the last like seven or eight days. Blew my whole bankroll. Um, went on tilt as you do. Um, and I'm just, I'm like, damn, didn't pick the honeymoon period. Do you think horses have honeymoons when they're, when they're new? Um, I don't personally think that, but I would not, I mean, if that came out, that wouldn't surprise me, I guess, um, either. Um, the thing I have found that's been extremely difficult myself is just the leveling process that some horses level so much faster. So if you fall behind even the smallest bit, you're, you're kind of done for. Um, so there's definitely horses that have been bred around the same time, like running in the same maiden. I see some of the names and I'm like, Oh yeah, you know, we were competing against each other and I dominated that guy. But then I look and I'm like, Oh man, this thing has gained 10 levels on me before I can even level two levels. Um, racing fairly diligently with work and kids and all that. So, um, you know, it's the disparity between some of the levels, I think really hurts some horses. Um, or at least that's what I'm seeing. When you say disparity as in the number of XP you need, like between the breeds, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I have some horses that it takes, you know, 10,000 XP and then some that it's like five, and, you know, or, or even less than that, they just leveled so much faster. 
Um, but unfortunately, the ones that are leveled so much faster are not my great, you know, good horses. So <laughs> it's um, always the way. So it's unfortunate. So you know, it, I guess the the question for me would be: Did they just get outpaced, or is it something that's built in? Either way, I definitely think there's something. Um, I just don't I'm know sure it of it. Is. It's happened to it's happened to so many of my horses, um, <laughs> and. Not just in the recent, like I'm going back mm-hmm. 12, 18 months where I've bred horses and they've been like winning, 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 winning. This is fantastic. And then just brick wall, um, mm. which is super odd. Um, but again, that's, as I say, pure conspiracy theory. Um, but as we talk about leveling, um, sort of brings me to this other question that I've kind of fascinated to get people's opinions on as well, which is this concept of what is the lifespan of a horse? Like when you breed a horse, how much time are you thinking, okay, well, if I come out at, say, you know, a 404, for example, mm-hmm. into um, into class two, I'm like, what do I think with that horse? How much time do I spend on it? Um, you know, it seems to be if it gets that level but it's got that Evo in class two, it should have either a DP or a variance to kind of justify its existence in that spot. Um, how much do I pump levels in it? Like what's, what do you think the lifespan of a horse is from, from that regard? Um, I, you know, I personally think it just depends on how, how good you think that horse is and is depends on how much time you're going to spend on it. I will say, I don't think variance was weighted extremely heavily. Um, I could be wrong as far as, you know, where it got placed, um, even now. Um, so I, I don't think variance plays into it that much. Um, so it may just be a really good DP and really good BA horse that has a lot of that and it got placed high. But in a lot of my experience, it needs a touch of, touch of variance to be able to really get, you know, T3s. I like T3 horses, top three horses. That's my thing. Um, yep. So um, double ups are fine, but there's something special about a, you know, top three horse about the win yeah 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 get the podium and the banner it's a whole thing but um you know i for me i just look at the parents and i look at you know what it's doing and you know i say is this worth my time and sometimes it's not or sometimes it only is when i'm bored Uh, you know i i don't know what a lifespan should be i will say i never get rid of a horse. I could never, I can't sell horses. I get so attached to my horses. So when aging comes out and I'm not going to be able to play with them and, and race them, you know, as much as I want, when I want, I'm going to be very sad about that. Well, let let me, let me re-ask that question then in, I guess, the context of aging, which is probably a better way to think about it. Mm -hmm. Um, How many races should he, should a horse have before it ages, do you think? I'm in the unlimited camp. <laughs> I think you should just let the monsters run. Uh, why limit it? I don't I don't understand why we want to to age them out. Okay. That's um that's a very good take. It's it's um I mean, I, I say I, that not having any monsters, by the way, um, but I hope years from now I'm still seeing Artois and, you know, 
some of the other guys really just dominate because I look at those horses and I'm like, man, that's such a good horse. Like, why, why would you want that uh, benched? Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? The the current state where they've kind of evolved the game into the the old horses. The, especially the one, the version one horses where, mm-hmm. I mean, one of the things I loved about Zed back in the day that super breeds, I guess, kind of give some of this back is, but that any breed you did, you could land something special. Like, like any mm-hmm. breed could get a monster variance role. Or, and there was, you know, it gave, it gave a lot of people a chance, I think, to, okay, well, I'm not going to breed with whatever, RSB or I'm not going to breed with, um, you know, one more tissue or whatever, one of the big best horses in the game because, frankly, most of us can't afford that, right? Um, but if I breed with this other horse, there's a chance that I get a, I get a role. I, I personally, I, I agree 100%. I missed the lottery or, you know, however you want to say it, I missed that. And I don't think that super breeds fill that void for me personally and some of the other people I talked to, um, you know, just looking at, um, you know, in my history, I never landed one of those like 1.0 amazing horses, but my husband was breeding for a maiden and he bred, Oh, I don't even know what it is. It is a high Z. Um, and I helped, uh, Z 32. He brought a Z32 and he did it and he said, I don't have any hope for this horse. It's it's a Z32. What is it going to do? I don't even know. And I was like, no, 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 it'll be good. Um, and we named it and we ran it. And that man is a monster variance horse. Just so much variance in that horse. Wins What's so much money. Name? Uh, Jacob Grimm. Okay. It was... Um, he had brothers, so we named them the Grimm brothers. Uh, unfortunately, the other ones were not nearly as good. Um, but Jacob Grimm does does the things and wins lots of money. And, you know, it, it was just so exciting. And he had a few 1.0 hits. But, you know, looking at that and seeing those and seeing it, you know, on Twitter and in Discord where these really high Z's that just were thrown together for fun are really good horses. Um, you know, that's, that's something that super breeds just isn't giving me those vibes. I don't know. That's yeah. I, it's I tend same. to agree. I tend to agree. I'm not sure if, and I think the way you put it was, um, was spot on. I don't know if it fills that void, um, that void of, you know, because breeding is so, um, so critical to the success of the game, like financially as well as mm-hmm. for Zed, like that's where the revenue is. Um, so this idea of giving me an incentive or whatever, creating some kind of incentive just to breathe, oh, we'll see what happens with these two. Because I don't think I don't think that exists today. Like if I've got a couple of horses that aren't great, like I'm probably not going to smash them together just to see what happens. Because um, I know that that lottery thing's not there. Um, so maybe, yeah, we'll wait and see. We'll see, see how that evolves over time. I mean, the one good thing is, I mean, it did give Genesis some value. So I, you know, I'm, I guess I'm, 
in some ways I'm on the fence because I do think that was good um, because you get the best chance at a super breed with the Genesis. So, um, you know, that's great, but you really just lose the excitement. And, you know, like you said, you're not going to just smash anything together. You, you got to yeah. be really um, planned and if you want a chance for the super breed. So it's, it's just different, just a different day. Um, well, I'm looking at Jacob Grimm there, 99 variants. Bang. Yes, yes. What a monster. Mr. Mr. Monster. Grimm has the variants, that is for sure. <laughs> and does he breed well? Does he pass that down? Um, so he, we never, and I say we, my husband never bred him very much. Um, but he did recently throw out a few that did uh, the Lucky Maiden. And they won some. Mm -hmm. They won some money there, and they've won some some things. So like Marie Grimm and Dorothea Grimm, they seem to have gotten some of it. Um, yep. So 80, eighty-six variants for Marie Grimm. Yeah. Yep. Looks yep. Good. Yep. So looks, looks very good. And I can see three three babies waiting waiting for us in in the maiden this week. <laughs> from Jacob yes. Grimm. Everyone be aware. Be be wary. No, no, no. He doesn't have that many breeds left. We have to be really, um, you know. This is interesting too, like the breeding decay as well. Like um, I put a horse in stud today um, called Moonshine Man who's got just great stats, good DP, excellent variants, sprinter, has um, – has spat out some uh, foals that's passed that down really well. It's got some, mm -hmm. like, a, like a lot of the foals are like 10% win or more um, out of it. And I was looking at it, it's got its last three breeds before breeding decay. It's like a buterin elite. And I'm like, I'm not putting that in at minimum, no way. <laughs> I'll put, like, um, I'm, I'm not going to breed with it this for this maiden, but if if no one takes them, it's like I'm not going to get paid for them. I'll, I'll just keep doing that until... The next time he goes in at mean, they'll be for me. So, sure, sure. Yeah. I the one thing you know, the breeding decay is an interesting uh, aspect, and I do like it because it it does add some value. You know, some of those pacers and and crosses, you just you don't get enough of them, especially if they're good. Um, so that's pretty unfortunate. But um, you know, the one thing I do hate is the. The ones that have like four breeds, I'm not even sure which ones. I think it's a pacer. Yep, the pacers. Um, yep. Because, you know, I think that was really ill thought out on Zed's part because you put it in and with the ZUI, you know, somebody's going to take some decayed decayed babies, um, not, not meaning to or not knowing possibly. So I've always had to, I have some decayed babies in my, in my stable because I'm like, well, I'm going to take this one, but I don't want it to sit there for, you know, two more to screw somebody else out. So I'm going to take all three. Oh, and wow. These guys are just going to be trash. Um, and, and they're well, good Samaritan. You are. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I would feel just incredibly guilty. I would not be able to do that. Just some stranger not being able to get a good baby out of it. No, thank you. Um, so I wish they would have thought of that and kind of evened it out a little bit more with like, full studs you know three cycle there are three covers per cycle and kind of looked at that but but yeah it oh i see yeah 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 and so it seems to be though like and it i guess it's just once you hit that even that tier one of decay 
forget about it. Like, oh yeah. yeah. Uh, BG told me by me, I mean Twitter, but he said, don't do it. it they're so bad. And BG is gospel. He said, don't do it. I'm true. never doing it. And I mean, I've, I have some that I've played around with, um, like I said, because I don't want it to sit in stud uh, for someone else to accidentally take. And there's been no promise at all in them. So I'm, I'm definitely in the camp of decayed babies or bad babies. Oh, well, okay. Never, I've never even tried, um, which is kind of interesting. So when we talk about, um, you know, all the planning and everything you do across your racing and also your breeding, like what are some of the tools that you guys use um, to get this done? Or are you doing this with just the free tools? Like what's your approach to, I guess, investigating either a racer or a stud or, or a mare? Um, so for studs, we heavily believe in Zedge um, with Shady. Um, yep. Me and my husband both got uh, passes as soon as they came out. And, you know, that's just something our stable has to have. Um, you know, he has his and I have mine and um, we love it. And it's really so useful with the studs. Um, also evaluating those babies after um, their 20 races or 10 races or, or you know, whatever the case may be. Um, and just looking at where they're hitting. Um, and for me, the variance, those things. So on the breeding aspect, I use Zedge just 100%. Um, so can I just just jump yeah. in there for a second with Zedge and I, I put this out on Twitter and tag Shady and he didn't answer me a couple of weeks ago. Um, so I'll just keep asking the question. Um, how many races does a horse need before those numbers in Zedge become meaningful? Do you think? Um, the more the better. Statistically significant. Yep. I don't know what Shady would say. I say 50. I think at 50, okay. um, you should it's have a pretty dang good idea. Yeah. Um, he may have a different number. Um, when it first came out, I think the number was like a hundred, but it's gotten so much more refined since then. Um, I, I 50 and I feel like you have a pretty good, uh, handle on the horse and what it's putting out in variance or DP or any of those things. Um, even, even babies at that point. Um, so that's what I, I like to use on the breeding aspect and racing aspect um, I am a, um, uh, Stacknax pro believer. Um, yep. as every, every month I, you know, re up and I just say the first race I win that, that pays that one off and, um, using Z lead and, and Stacknax pro, um, not only does it give me a lot of information, but it does make racing easier. You can put in your horse's filters. Um, it'll tell you when races are up, um, that, that match those filters, things like that. So it saves me a lot of time and I don't have to just sit there and wait. Um, so, so those are the two big tools. And then of course, Hawk, Hawk you and, and know your horses are great. Um, I try to stay off Haku though, cause, uh, I just end up buying more horses. So <laughs> if I, if I go on there, I'm like, Oh, this looks like a great deal. Um, I, it's, I it's did awful. that this month. I, um, put some money in to do some breeding um, for this maiden. I'm like, okay, this is going to be my breed fees. And -hmm. then just was browsing Hawke and went, ooh. Yeah. (laughs) This one. (laughs) If I go on for anything, it's just I I see something that I'm like, this is a great deal. I should just buy this. Why am I not? 
Um, same thing for Stacknext Pro. I um, with the tournaments, you could look at all the qualifiers, and it would tell you if the a horse was listed and for how much. Yep. So for I don't know how many horses I have of this, but there'd be some that you know it was like five dollars, and I was like, this is like a lottery ticket. Five dollars to maybe win some money in a in a tournament. Let's do that. And so I have so many horses that just five dollars here, ten dollars there. It's not great of a addiction, but <laughs> I definitely so, have the addiction. What is I think those of us, anyone who's playing Z at the moment, still is is in the same boat. I think. Um, but for all the glue in your stable, like what's what's the answer to that? Because glue is glue, right? And we've all got oh, yeah. heaps of them. Um, what what are the answer to those horses? Like I don't, you know, I, I really don't like this idea. And one of the things that kind of terrifies me about any marketing that they do is if it's successful and a whole new bunch of players come on board and the rest of us just try and unload our glue on them in Hawku, um, which is going to happen as much as we all Absolutely. like to say we won't do it. It is going to happen, um, which is the worst outcome for a whole bunch of new players um, that could just kind of defeat the purpose of the marketing altogether. So what would be a good solution for some of the glue in our stables today, do you think? You know, that's a great question, and I really hope somebody has a great answer for that, but that is not me. <laughs> um, I, I was really excited for Catalyst. Uh, back in the John mm-hmm. Lee days, um, that's really when I started holding on to a lot of the horses um, and why I have so many um, now, just because the market is so down. I'm like, well, this horse kind of sucks, but for $2, do I really want to sell it? Uh, you know, USD? No, I'd, I'd rather keep it for $2 because the state of the game changes so frequently. Um, and especially with the class changes and things like that, where I had horses that were not good whatsoever, and now they are good. Um, I have that fear. I'm going to, I'm going to sell something worth something. So I either need to be able to burn it for something um, that I can utilize, whether that's said token or, or something, I don't know. Um, or I'm just going to keep on holding glue. Um, so Zed's answer, I think has to be something that brings utility um, for all this glue and breeding fees that we've put into it but hell if i know what they're going to do about it so I, again i like catalyst but nobody else yeah did. um your catalysts were interesting um but you know we can all see arbitrage burning for catalyst to breed with super seed <laughs> just mm-hmm. creating. you're not wrong you're not wrong um I heard somewhere the other week, and I don't know if this was rumor or um, where it came from, but talking about burning for breeding tokens. So you could kind of burn four to breed one or something. I don't know what the ratio would be, but Mm -hmm. that was kind of something that was interesting to me. Um, I burn a lot of horses. (laughs) (laughs) I I also would burn a lot of horses. Absolutely. Um, Because as I say, getting back to that whole point, like I, I don't want to sell a horse to the bots just because of that. Exactly what you're like, mm, really? I, I did pay 30, 40, some cases, 200 bucks to breed this thing. Um, I'm not going to sell it for $1.50 right. regardless, even though it is glue. Like, um, Well, it's glue today. 
it may not it may not be glue uh, in I a year. A lot that are, <laughs> I got a lot that are glue. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, maybe, maybe. Glue, glue is glue. Come on, come on. Let's be honest. Oh, no. <laughs> Until no, they no. find we a may, space for... We, we may get pity points back. Um, there's Dan Chan tournaments where... Um, you know, he used to do the three five sevens, where it's like a horse that always came in seventh still could make me money. Um, you know, there's there's places for some of it. There's definitely non redeemable horses, though, for sure. Yep. Yeah, interesting. So you talk, um, and there's been so much action um, in the out, outside tournament space recently, which mm-hmm. is really cool to see. Um, and you've obviously been around playing these for some time. So for, for others in the game who perhaps aren't in the external tournament space, like what's the state of this today? Where, like how do you sort of use those tournaments to leverage horse value in, in Z? Like how are you using them? And which um, one? I mean, I only, unfortunately, since they don't integrate, the, it really holds no value um, in Z for these external, you know, horses or whatever like it doesn't elevate their worth because nobody really knows that that horse has won you x amount of worth in the lucky maiden or you know any of those other things um i wish they would integrate it in, in some aspect but um you know it it just for me it's i like to support content creators for sure um, mm-hmm. Zombie, Luck, uh, Lucky Jacks, and uh, Dan Chan are my favorites. Um, the Dan Chan tournaments are really interesting and really fun. So, um, and there's a good variety, which I really, really like at different price points. So, um, they're a little, they used to be a little difficult to sign up for, but he's fixed that uh, in a large degree. So, um, you know, I just use it to, to help pay off breed fees, honestly. If a horse pays its breed fees off, then I'm pretty happy. Um, you know, that's a successful breed for me. So I got a free horse and then anything it can do in the future is just icing. So um, I don't think it makes horses worth more though, I guess. You know, nobody will know unless you tell them. Yeah, it's a wonderful point you made um, for the for the product managers as Zed. Um understanding like a leaderboard of its of its profit rating but where it's winning from external tournaments mm-hmm. um obviously hard to do from a technical point of view without doing the full tournament integration which i think they should be doing anyway like this whole idea of there's there's enough players in the market um that are doing external tournaments mm-hmm. that if they kind of open the platform up in like a tournament white label type view where you could use the racing engine and you know, it's still Zed powering it, but, um, you know, maybe you could buy a, an NFT that's your own race course and then you've got, you know, I'm sure Dan Chan would have Dan Chan, <laughs> Dan Chan <laughs> Racing. Um, and then, you know, tournaments running on that and just have to get that point, to get your point, like having that integrated experience. So, you know, you've got this thing that's might be winning three five sevens more money in three five sevens and like hey there's a way there's a path to value for this horse um that you could show inside z on leaderboards and stuff like that it's a really good idea um when you talk about the breeding bit again and i'm jumping around because it's 
conversation. No, you're fine. So much fun. I talk um, a lot, so sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's good. This is, as I said, I'm jumping around because it's so much fun. Um, but when we talk about the breeding piece again, and when we talk about bred horses, right? Like, obvious with Genesis, the the equation is, you know, reasonably simple, um, mm. and you you get to the role of the role that you get, and you know, away you go. But as we look down to you, and you mentioned before, you're going to start some exclusive and um, and crossbreeds for this maiden. What do you think about this concept of you know bloodlines, and how does that work when you look at breeding at that level? Um, like, are you looking all the way back up to the genesis in the bloodline around its stats, or are you just saying, okay, these are the numbers the parents have got, um, and this is the highest role or the highest chance of get of the the mix of these two? Like, how how valuable is a bloodline um, down in those bred horse trees? Um, I think it's pretty valuable um i don't think it's the gospel but i I do think it's pretty valuable so for them to you know um you know looking at a pacer or or something like that i don't know that going back to great-grandparents is you know all that impactful i look at parents and then i look at grandparents um i at that point if i'm going to breed something like that i like to do it in it's a horse that I've bred in house all the way down almost. Um, so, you know, maybe I went outside for the sire for, you know, the original legendary, but all the other ones are going to be in, you know, something that I've done. Um, so I've controlled it to a large degree. Um, but I think that's really important and, and matching DP and traits, I think is really important in the bloodline. I think that the caliber of some of like the great grandparents, things like that doesn't matter nearly as much. Um, especially when you start looking at the 1.0s, um, mm-hmm. where, you know, maybe the grand great grandparents were 1.0s and the grandparents or, or whatever the case may be were 1.0s. Um, I think, that only matters once you get into 2.0 and beyond um, and, and making sure everything matches. So, but if everything's aligned, then even better. Um, so I just try to match everything as far as I can, but I really just look at the immediate, like what were the parents, what are their variants, what are their DP? And that's how I'm going to match it for this upcoming maiden at least. Yep. Yeah. Nice. Um, well, hopefully you get some good horses um, out of your, your escapades. Um, I'm actually, I'm running one in this maiden, so only one. Okay, well, good we'll luck, see. good luck. We'll see. All oh, you need is one. Already, That's it. All That's you all you need. One. You'll see he's already bred. I can't even remember it's a boy or a girl. Um, and it's like, I don't know, getting back to my Hawku thing I was saying before, like going on tilt on Hawku, I mean, that horse I bought was it was even a pink colt. <laughs> um, was I, and it was like a couple of days later, I'm like, why did I buy a pink horse? Anyway, um, just again the the zeitgeist around the pink colts. Um, I actually I know why I bought it for breeding, but um, it's a, a NACA legendary that's got some stats that I liked. Um, interestingly enough, so when we talk about the stats matching. Um, 
And again, another question around distance preference and those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we were talking about this on an earlier episode as well. Um, I'm kind of curious to get your thoughts on this from like a, another Z user, right? The distance preference numbers go from minus 100 to 100, right? Mm-hmm. What does a minus 7 mean in distance preference? Like we understand minus 100, great to sprint up. 100, 2,600, is it, do you, like, is it a linear thing? Like if I've got a minus seven, I'm at sort of 14, 16s. If I've got a 22, I'm at like 18s, 2,000. I think there's a small amount of buffer. Um, you know, you may be a negative number, but you still may be a 16 runner. Um, mm-hmm. But the further away should be where you lean. So, you know, if you're at like a negative 50, let's say, um you know, I think you're, you're pretty soundly in the 1200, maybe 1400, maybe, you know, and all those things are so subjective based on the field and and things like that, where, you know, you may not be the best 1400 runner, but the fields may be weak enough that you're going to be the best 1400 runner in that field. Um, so, you know, the numbers are manipulated by many things. Um, you know, not necessarily even maliciously, just there's a lot of variables to go into that. Um, but I mean, I do think there's like a, a buffer, like a, you know, maybe negative 20 may still be a 16 and then a, a 20 may still be a 16 too. I mean, it may, yeah. that, that may just be where your horse runs. Um, but the further away you get, the more sprint you should get and the higher the number, the more marathon you should get for sure. So when we, we talk about these numbers, um, I guess Zedge is dependent on where you've run the horse, right? Yes. Like it's, it's it's only where you've run the horse. So how do you go about identifying horses that are, are not run in the right funnel? So it does take the theory. It is based on where you've ran, um, but it does integrate based on your placements where it thinks you should be based on 1600. Um, and I'm not, a, I'm not the technical person. So for me, I don't understand how that works. That, that formula, I, I, unsure. I suck at horse math too, don't worry. <laughs> oh, my husband's so great at it and statistics and things like that. I'm, that's just not my thing. Um, but you know, that is why you want like the best sample size, because even if you say, cause in 2.0, that happens so much where they're like, Hey, it's supposed to be a sprinter. We're going to run it in sprints and that's just where it's going to happen. Um, so it, you know, takes those races and then makes its own assumptions based on placements and, and things like that. Um, by using 1600 as the neutral is how I understand it. Um, so if at 50 races, um, it should be still fairly accurate for sure. Interesting. For sure, maybe, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Like 60% of the time, I'm right 100% of the time. Um, It's one of those things I go back and do a statistics course just for for Zed. Um, Oh, yeah. I I, I was good at mathematics, um, like calculus and like complex mathematics. And I don't know Mm -hmm. why, but for me, just statistics just broke my brain. I didn't get it, didn't get any of it, so... I, I'm I'm awful at it. I don't understand almost any math. I I run restaurants, so I understand like real life math, food costs, labor costs, things yep. like that. Um, 
So anytime I see something interesting on Twitter that BG post or Dan Chan or anybody, and it's a graph, it's a something very mathematical. We have a discord where we have a lot of horse friends in there. Um, and we just kind of all talk about horses and what tournaments we're in and breeds and whatever, um, just horse talk. But so I'll post it and I'm like, all right, somebody explain this to me like a simpleton because I don't understand anything, but I want to understand what this means. And so somebody in there will be like, oh, this is what they're saying. I'm like, all right, great. Thanks. Um, So it takes a it takes a village to run a good a good stable (laughs) for sure. You have to have the community. And again, this this is a constant theme that pops up everywhere, like um, and everyone I speak to has this same theory. It's like. You know, to be successful, you've got to get out there and um, interact with the community and meet people. And, and the community is so helpful. Like, I think when you just reach out to people and ask them stuff, um, everyone everyone's kind of free with their time around it. So it's, a, mm-hmm. it's a really interesting space to be, I think. It's quite positive. Absolutely. Um, well, look, Megan, we're kind of nearly at time. So I'm, I'm super interested in watching your your next 24 hours. I'm going to keep an eye on your stable to see what your breeds are for the maiden. Um, <laughs> okay. Okay. To, ch- to check it out. Um, but is there kind of one thing um, from the Z format at the moment? Like what's the, what's the biggest change? I know we get so much change. Um, but what's the, what's the biggest change they kind of need to make to keep the evolution and keep this game moving in the right direction? Do you think? Um. I don't know what the biggest thing is. I They've really fixed a lot of things, which makes me feel very, um, you know, engaged as like classes and, and things like that. Um, I do feel there is a boredom setting in, even across Twitter and, and some of the social medias, without tournaments, without active engagement maybe not daily but you know something to do like right now people are just racing and that's great but people get bored of that and without an ulterior like end game Mm -hmm. um so i don't know what they're going to do about engagement with the player base that we have now because even if they bring in new people um it's going to be the same thing especially if they get people's glue and they don't win any money then they're really going to be bored with racing so um you know i think bringing back the tournaments even if they're not super you know well funded or let us buy in and do sit and go tournaments or something i'm not sure um and and mix them up a little bit would be what i think they need to improve on at least in the recent weeks um because the maidens have been great but outside of that man there's just nothing to do except for regular old racing just grind it yeah yeah just grinding yeah yeah it's interesting like having long running kind of achievements to- like layered on top of tournaments so you might have sit and goes but you might have an achievement for one horse that you're trying to get over a period of three or four weeks or something that'd be kind of cool too like to have a most podiums in like all the stuff they did with the um uh the metaverse cup Yes. Like those yes. kind of things that had you, you were racing, but there were little mini tournaments within the overall tournament as well. That, I think that generated a lot of interest. Um, and then, you know, I mean, a, even once, you know, Wagme just dominated it 
pretty soon. It was it was pretty early on who was going to win. But there were still all these other things that people were still competing for, so it still kept the interest going, like, all the way through the tournament, which I thought was I mean, really cool. Absolutely. And even, I mean, even with, uh, you know, Wagme really dominating, I mean, there were still a lot of avenues to make money and, and to be active and, and things. So, I mean... Yeah, he cleaned up, but so did a lot of other people. So I don't, I don't know. The I like I said, I I like the content creators. So right now, when everything's really quiet in Zed, I every day go to you know go to Dan Chance tournaments and and look to see what he has to offer because you know his are one day or you know a few hours or whatever the case may be, and that's really keeping me engaged. But not everybody does that, and mm-hmm. there just needs to be something to keep people busy however that may be however they're going to do it i don't know the answer but yep i had to i often scratch my head about the challenge in front of that that team um that sort of bring us there because it is you know the it is so easy to make a misstep i guess um and there's what is essentially a pretty hostile audience Mm. in terms of willing to exploit Right, because there's there's financial gain. So, you know, you make a misstep, people are going to exploit it um, actively. And in that regard, that's where I'm like, it's hostile in that regard. So, um, not a not a challenge I'd be looking to do for my day job. Put it that way. But Absolutely not. That is not for me. I, I just I just roll with the punches and yeah. try to do the yeah. best we can over here. All right, cool. Well, fantastic. Thanks so much um, for taking the time with us, Megan. It was a genuine pleasure. I really enjoyed the conversation. Um, as I said, I'm going to go dust off some old A-shapers and, um, <laughs> and see if I can't throw more money at 1v1s. Um, thank you so much for, for doing the pod. And as we say to everyone who comes on the show, we're going to see you on the track. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. See you.